All right, glad you're with us. Happy Veterans Day. Write down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza? It is, um, I can't explain what switched for me over the weekend. Maybe it's like a a change or shift in my mind because I know what's going to happen and I know how some of you are going to feel and I'm just not going to feel that way um, because the, the, we know the outcome. Willie Brown was right last week when he said there's no drama. We know it's going to happen if Democrats are stupid enough in the House and they want to impeach Donald J. Trump for no reason whatsoever for actually doing his job. You know, this is the great irony here because the Democrats, the mob and the media, they are so corrupt. They're so psychotically raged out every second of every day. Uh, so power hungry. You know, when this gets dismissed in the Senate, as Lindsey Graham's been saying, it's going to end up being dismissed in the Senate. And you could see that the process, there's no due process. I mean, it was funny, the Democrats, right? Well, we OK, well, we'll finally pass it in the House. We'll, we'll have real rules. We'll have a real vote. But at the end of every paragraph where Newt Gingrich was giving the minority party, the Democrats in the House of Representatives during the impeachment of Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton's lawyers, every benefit of the doubt um, they put at the end of it. Uh, yeah, but uh, at the discretion of the chairman at the discretion, who's the chairman? Well, that's the compromised corrupt. That would be the uh, coward, the congenital liar, Adam Schiff. I mean, it, it, all of this comes down to now. Um, and this is where Lindsey Graham, I think, will do the greatest work in all of this. Maybe the greatest work in his career, because they, they're going to want to turn this into another Kavanaugh hearing. There's there's no slander. There's no besmirchment. There's no lying that matters here. It's just how do we bloody up Donald Trump for 2020 if we can't get rid of him now? Um, Now, Lindsey Graham is rightly saying that, look, it's so the Republicans come out. They have their their list of people that they would like to call for this witch hunt. Now, what what they're doing now, the Democrats, they had their closed door testimony. So they're going to bring in the few that seem to take the interpretation that they like and they'll put them out there first. See, see, everybody saw it the way we saw it. Okay, but that's not it's not going to work. And as Lindsey Graham said, it will be dead on arrival uh, unless the whistleblower testifies. And that means Adam Schiff has to testify. Now, the House has moved forward with all of this. We haven't heard word from the hearsay non-whistleblower whistleblower as Andy McCarthy lays out ever so intelligently that this person does not meet the whistleblower standards. We've been over this again and again. I mean, and it's kind of amazing to me that people, you know, all of this, what went on? What happened with Schiff's office? Now, now we have to summon not only to the Senate because they won't do it in the House, but we have to subpoena Adam Schiff. Okay, maybe he'll say he has privilege. His staff doesn't have privilege. Let's find out what the context context was and what were the plan? What was the scheme that was put together behind closed doors? Because obviously this is just an extension of all things Russia witch hunt, which, by the way, that is getting and that is now we're we're supposed to be one week away from the Horowitz report on FISA, which, by the way, if it's what I'm told it's going to be, will blow up probably everything they're doing in this case, because you're going to see all the similarities and all the same players and you'll understand what's going on um, now. So in the Senate, 
if if you want to look for quid pro quos with Ukraine, you have to listen to the bragging of quid pro quo Joe. By the way, on our website, Hannity.com, if you go to the Nine Lines uh, apparel, which we'll talk about later, that you can get today, that was store we opened up, you can get hashtag quid pro quo Joe and a black shirt and has American flag on it and everything. It's really cool. So we've got to subpoena Schiff, Schiff staff. We've got to subpoena all of these, these people, the non-whistleblower, whistleblower. We've got to see what contact was made, what things were discussed, what emails exist, who used bleach bit, who used hammers if they did, who removed SIM cards if they did. I mean, none of that would surprise me. Um, but those people now will have to be heard from. Look, as much as they try and stack the deck in the House and make it as corrupt as they possibly can in the House, they they don't have that power to do it in the Senate. Now, there was an interesting piece today about Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden is zero experience hunter who gets paid millions and millions and millions from this country and that country with no experience in the field of endeavor in which his company is being brought in on. In the case of Ukraine, no experience in energy, oil or gas, uh, no experience with Ukraine. Now we see that the reps for Burisma Holdings were contacting the Obama State Department and asking for favors and using Hunter Biden's name uh, to get what they wanted. Uh, You know, Hunter Biden's on the board. We pay Hunter Biden. Hunter, Hunter Biden's a part of this. Yeah, of course. Why are they doing that? Because that's what they wanted. Consideration. What, what, no, why else would you give a no experienced person million, millions of dollars? No other Amer- of American is ever going to get that kind of deal. It's never going to happen. And Democrats can push back on on the subpoenas of Schiff all they want. They can push back <clears throat> on the attempts to get the whistleblower all they want. They can say Hunter Biden doesn't test, have to testify well, the only quid pro quo in this is Joe. You get the billion dollars. You get the billion if you fire the prosecutor investigating my son. You don't get the billion if you don't. That's the only quid pro quo. Now, other names that are being requested, Devin Archer, who is Hunter Biden's business partner, Nellie Orr. She was with being paid at Fusion GPS. Bruce Orr, the fourth highest ranking at the time person in the Justice Department. She's the one that commissioned the the Fusion GPS commissioned the dossier that became the dirty Russian dossier. The claims about Alexandra Shalupa, a DNC operative and contractor, Ukrainian-American. It is said that and if you go to the piece in Politico that we have a a Democratic DNC contractor going to the Ukrainian embassy for the purpose of colluding with Ukraine for the purpose of digging up dirt on Paul Manafort, Trump associates and Donald Trump, because they were trying to influence the 2016 elections, which, by the way, a court in Ukraine admitted it actually happened. Another guy is Tim Morrison, a former top advisor, NSC, David Hale, the state's third ranking official, Kurt Volker and and some other people. There's a lot to come out here and there's a lot that matters here. I like what Alan Dershowitz said. You know, he's on a roundtable this uh, weekend on a on a radio show. And he actually said, you know, he he said this impeachment of the Democrats, you know, he was comparing it to this KGB. Show me the man. I'll find you the crime. And he said Democrats are making up crimes. They're weaponizing impeachment against Trump, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, whether you're from New York or the middle of the country, you should be frightened by efforts to try and create crimes out of nothing. 
And the latest twist was you have all these people saying that if the president or somebody else were to name the whistleblower in the Ukrainian situation, the person would be guilty of a crime. And Dershowitz said, well, I spent the afternoon yesterday searching the federal criminal statutes from beginning to end. I can't find any such crime. And if anybody now is guilty of the crime, it would be the cowardly shift, the compromised man himself, because they left the guy's name in it. Whoopsie daisy. How did that happen? Um, so there's a lot happening here. And by the way, the name is everywhere. All you have to do is Google it and you'll find it if you're really that interested in it. What do we know? The person was an activist Democrat. What do we know? The person was close to Biden. What do we know? The person had contact with Schiff's office. So Schiff denies all of Devin Nunes's requests for subpoenas. Uh, and these are the right people to subpoena. You got to subpoena Schiff. You got to subpoena his staff. You got to subpoena the non-whistleblower whistleblower. You got to subpoena Hunter and you got to subpoena Joe Biden. If, if that's the case, he's the ranking member. So and the business partner as well. So the, now the Republicans, this now has to be about the Democrats. Because if what happens, which I believe is going to happen, hopefully in a week, and I know you've heard it, I know you're sick of it. I'm sick of asking for it, too. I don't know why. The reason I'm hearing for the long delay in the Horowitz report is pretty fundamental. It's pretty basic. And that is that they think that a lot of this is now sort of it, it's melded into the Durham report, uh, which has now officially become a a criminal investigation, which means they have the right to subpoena and the right to convene grand juries and the right to charge people criminally here. But when this all comes out, the words I was told over and over again will shock the conscience and that the documents will contain much of what we had discussed now for two years. Uh, that would be classified pages in the FISA applications um, exculpatory evidence that purposely was withheld from the FISA court, how this was all premeditated in as much as they they were warned repeatedly not to trust Christopher Steele, that Hillary paid for it. None of it was verified and they used it anyway. And ultimately, we found that it was unverifiable. Uh, we'll have the Gang of Eight folder, which is some of where the exculpatory evidence is. Uh, the email chains we talked about with investigators in the Russia probe and James Comey and including discussions with lawyers in the DOJ's National Security Division. And those email chains are going to contain information that proved the FBI knew prior to obtaining this warrant to spy on Carter Page that they knew that Christopher Steele's information in the dossier couldn't be proven. Now, the top of a FISA application says verified. And we expect that we're going to find out that the FBI knew that Steele was leaking, but they use that leaking for circular reporting. In other words, they leak it to people like Michael Isikoff. Michael Isikoff writes it. They present it in the FISA application as though, oh, this we have two sources for this particular piece of evidence, but it's the same source. And then we'll see information that the FBI also in the handling of uh, Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. Apparently, there's a big story that has really not been told a lot about how there were foreign governments trying to contact her campaign, except she was treated differently by the FBI that had already rigged the investigation into her. And, you know, the only thing we don't know is, you know, to the extent, you know, where the overlap with Durham's report is going to ultimately be. But you know, that means James Comey, who signed three of the four FISA applications. You know, what is the role of Andrew McCabe and Strzok and Page? 
um, and Brennan and Clapper. Eventually, I think we'll get into more with the dorm stuff, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, there was an interesting piece that I had not seen before. I think I saw it on Newsmax about because I know this gets people all riled up and I had not known this. Um, every time an, a Republican is elected president, they try to impeach the guy and they want the results of the election reversed. Two weeks before the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton tweeted, Donald Trump refused to say that he'd respect the results of this election. By doing that, he's threatening our democracy. Well, this article goes on to say, as a Democrat, she should know something about not respecting election results, because since 1961, when Eisenhower left office, Democrats have introduced impeachment articles against every single elected Republican president. Eisenhower succeeded by John Kennedy. He was assassinated. Lyndon Johnson sworn in. Neither Kennedy nor Johnson were subject to impeachment inquiries. But then Richard Nixon, well, he was, uh, as we all know, and, and he resigned from office in August of 1974. Then in comes Gerald Ford. Now, he was the never, never the subject of an impeachment investigation, but Ronald Reagan, the next elected president, was. And then they did the same thing. When you go on, they went after George W. Bush and George Herbert Walker Bush. This is what Democrats do. They, th- this is sore loserism now that is institutionalized by the Democrats. But where it's going to end is they've done nothing for the country. Where it's going to end is they're running on the most extreme platform that will destroy America's economy and abroad will be nothing but appeasement. That's where it ends. They're still going to have to sell their crappy ideas. They're still going to have to show the American people that they did nothing. They're going to have to. There's nothing that they have put out in the last three years that has helped any Americans in terms of peace and prosperity at home and abroad. They've done nothing. And that's what the election and Donald Trump has kept every promise. And I think in the end, that's what the American people will be focused on. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. I just, I, I don't have any fear of anything that they're doing at this point. This is who they are. This this is now their identity. This is wh- the hill they have chosen to die on is to impeach a president over nothing after three long years of trying to do the same exact thing. I look at their ideas. I mean, at the end of the road, you can impeach them in the House. It will die in the Senate. I mean, Lindsey Graham is is as forceful as he can be that this is dead on arrival unless the whistleblower testifies. Uh, Lindsey Graham, Hunter Biden must testify. Joe Biden must testify and add to that the cowardly shift and everybody in between. You know, you have the impeachment committee democrats you have one of them now asking the democrats to drop the quid pro quo part and i'm telling you why his name is jim himes member of the house intel committee and he said that we need to shift away from quid pro quo um they've got to get off it because it's complicated they've already attested to the fact that it occurred and what we're dealing with here is corruption abuse of power no they want a nebulous statement because the only person whose quid pro quo line would work on is joe Joe's on tape bragging about a quid pro quo. So just like with Russia, Russia, impeachment, impeachment, it is blowing up in their face and their anger is not an idea that's going to serve the country in any way, shape, matter or form. This doesn't help them for 2020. 
All right. Thanks, Scott Shannon. 25 uh, till the top of the hour. Happy Veterans Day uh, as we honor the brave men and women that give us the freedoms we all take for granted. I mean, that including the right and the ability to do this radio show every day and come together as an alternative voice to a corrupt mob, which is all things media. I don't think I'm explaining this well. Let me see if I can break it down a different way. Because we're now 358 days until Election Day. Everything that happens between now and Election Day, you, you have to view through the everything is being done through, with this in the background. It's done through the prism of what is coming. And what is coming is Election Day. And what is coming and what happens between now and Election Day will matter. As of now, we are going to watch, and and I think it's one of the reasons why the Democrats want to do this so quickly. They want to bang this impeachment out. And if it means they don't have to go to court and fight over executive privilege, which might take six months, they're not going to do it. Because the longer they drag that out, the more likely it is it's going to piss off the American people even further. And because they already see it's unfair. I mean, the American people know what the Democrats are doing here. Fundamentally, they, they see this for what this is. This to most people that I talk to is nothing but, oh, my gosh, they're doing this again. We just went through three years of this. Now they want to do it another time. And then they look at the transcript and then they hear, you know, all the, what's the quid pro quo? Well, the only one bragging about that is Joe. The only one getting paid with zero, no experience at all is Hunter. You know, there's an AP poll out. Only a third of Americans, that's your hardcore left-wing radicals, you know, say impeachment is anybody's priority. You know, and that's the other thing. They, they, so they know it's coming. So it's corrupt. And the, the, in the worst case scenario, they're thinking, and their thinking I think is flawed, is that, okay, even if we can't remove him, we'll damage him. And the way we're going to damage him is we're going to we're going to bloody him up for 2020. But they're forgetting a few things in the in the meantime. You know, they're not listening to what Lindsey Graham is telling them. Lindsey Graham is saying, if you're going to have a corrupt process, it's DOA over here. Don't bother. We're not going to go along with your phony impeachment uh, where none of the none of the due process that was given Every other impeached president is given to Donald Trump here. Um, there's a reason why now Democrats are trying to jump away from the quid pro quo line is because they didn't expect that the president would release the transcript. That now became problematic. And the president has been urging everybody to read the transcript. Lindsey Graham says, OK, unless the whistleblower testifies, um, it's dead on arrival. Unless Adam Schiff and Schiff staff testify, it's dead on arrival. Lindsey Graham saying Hunter Biden must testify. How does Hunter Biden get paid millions of dollars with zero experience? And he, you know, it's like hitting the lottery. He hit the lottery not once, not twice. But, you know, how many times did he hit the lottery? I think a lot more than we would even know. So the order of this is interesting. So you'll have your corrupt, your no due process you know, witch hunt, latest witch hunt, which if we get to the bottom of, I can only imagine what was going on with the hearsay whistleblower, non-whistleblower and Adam Schiff's staff. I'd love to have the answers to those questions. 
You know, when if, if they're going to sit there and try and make a case that Donald Trump saying, can you do me a favor and get to the bottom of what you, a Ukrainian court said as election interference, Politico said as election interference, and your country's involved in it? Yeah, well, that would be faithfully executing the laws. Uh, and this Hunter Biden thing, you know, and what's that all about? Joe Biden using, leveraging a billion taxpayer dollars. Yeah, that's a real quid pro quo. That just shows you how how hypocritical you have to be if you want to be a Democrat today. But they're hoping to get this over quickly. They're forgetting that we're going to get this FISA report. And I, I hate even mentioning it anymore because I'm so frustrated at how long it's taken. And we're going to get information. It will start now coming out rather quickly because I'm told so much advancement has been made in terms of what is now a criminal probe by the prosecutor Durham uh, as that relates to the Russian witch hunt, election interference. All of the things that we've discussed are now going to be sort of interspersed with this witch hunt number two, Ukraine. Um, Then simultaneously, you've got lunatics that are running to be the to, to get the Democratic Party nomination. We're going to come back after Christmas vacation and right on top of us is going to be Iowa and then it's going to be New Hampshire and then we're off to South Carolina and then boom, Super Tuesday will be here. And then America is going to going to look at eventually we're going to this will be whatever happens between now and Iowa. Once Iowa starts it's going to become a distant memory. Now, the only thing that I don't think is going to be a distant memory is when all of this information comes out about what they really did do and the real crimes that were committed uh, in 2016. And when we get to the real bottom line of what's been going on, even with the Ukrainian situation, that that's going to be the story. It's not going to be Donald Trump's phone call to the new president of Ukraine. Then at some point, there's going to emerge from this radical group of, of extremists a candidate. Now, if you look at the latest Quinnipiac poll, I thought it was fairly interesting. Um, Biden actually was leading in this with 20 points. Elizabeth Warren with 16. I'd say Biden's odds of winning Iowa and New Hampshire are extremely low right now. That's my take. Now, his campaign is saying, well, we don't need to win Iowa or New Hampshire. No, we'll be fine without them. That's not true. And then if they lost South Carolina, it's over. And if you notice, sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe has been awfully quiet and awfully angry when you bring up the topic of uh, Hunter Biden. A lot of Democrats now grumbling behind the scenes saying, yeah, Biden screwed up everything we wanted to do with Ukraine because, you know, his son's making millions that has no experience whatsoever. And he's He's leveraging a billion tax dollars. So you got 100 days to go till the New Hampshire primary, less now than 100 days. And Quinnipiac released the poll out today. Biden has 20 percent New Hampshire. You have Elizabeth Warren at 16, Buttigieg 15, Sanders at 14. Uh, On an interesting side note, only 2 percent of likely Democratic primary voters in New Hampshire said they would definitely vote for Michael Bloomberg if he did get into the race. 37% said they would consider. 54% said they definitely would not vote for him, period. That's not a good number for him. 
There is uh, 4% nationally. This is kind of a dud result for Bloomberg. And I'm sure he had some polling behind the decision to register in Alabama. But clearly, you know, there's reluctance and resistance to get in because he knows these numbers are god awful. The morning console poll that was released on Sunday shows the, the challenge of Bloomberg wants to get in. And, you know, his he would he would sit in sixth place behind Kamala Harris. And 25 percent of likely primary voters view him unfavorably. He has the highest unfavorable rating in the entire field of Democrats, and they haven't even gotten to know this guy yet. Thirty one percent view him favorably. Not great numbers. Um, We thought for a while that it was Elizabeth Warren's to lose, but. I saw a big drudge headline this weekend of Elizabeth Warren playing to a nearly empty hall. And how did that happen, by the way, in South Carolina? Apparently not that popular. Um, Now, the next step in this is, okay. they're, you know, maybe Hillary gets in. Maybe she doesn't get in. I don't know. But then they're going to have to get to the ideas of the Democratic Party. Their anti-Second Amendment. Their 70 percent tax rates. Their. Hang on. I'm looking. Okay, there are 70 percent personal uh, tax rates, uh, top marginal rate for individuals. They're 90 percent top marginal rate for corporations. Their wealth tax on top of it. Their 94 trillion dollar new green deal, whatever very variation of that they take on. But every one is trillions and trillions of dollars. The problems of Medicare for all. Elizabeth Warren's case, 52 trillion dollars. Then their extreme radical environmentalism, the idea that we'll get off the lifeblood of our economy one way or the other in 10 years, oil and gas that would destroy America's economy, eliminate the combustion engine, guarantee pre child care, pre kindergarten, all the way through college, guaranteed government jobs at a guaranteed wage, guaranteed vacations, guaranteed healthy food, guaranteed health care. But you can't have private insurance. Uh, guaranteed retirement. None of this is sustainable. You know, even I saw was it this weekend. I guess it was um, Mark Cuban was out there saying, uh, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. Um, he actually went out there and said that Warren is being disingenuous, uh, suggesting she's promoting her wealth tax proposals to divert attention from her own net worth. Apparently, she and her husband have a net worth of over $12 million, according to Forbes. Cuban notes, other than Tom Steyer, she's the wealthiest of all Democratic candidates by far. And he writes, according to her filing, she made 900 grand last year, which means her family earns more than two times the amount needed to be a one percenter. She paid 25.5 percent of that in taxes, which is less than the percentage that I paid, which was 29.85 percent. And Forbes says her net worth is 12 million, that being rich, filthy rich. I'm sure it's richer than she ever imagined that she would be. Then you got, okay. now they want their sanctuary cities. Then Elizabeth Warren over the weekend, she was proposing free taxpayer funded health care for illegal immigrants. Well, how is that going to be sustainable for anybody? Yeah, Bernie Sanders campaigning with AOC saying Bloomberg shows the arrogance of billionaires. Um, Okay, that's interesting. But look at look at their other proposals. Free health care for illegal immigrants. Uh, Bernie Sanders actually vowed this weekend to stop deportations for thousands of convicted murderers and sex offenders. I mean, so we're going to get to that point. And what are we going to compare it to? 
We're going to compare it to the best employment situation since 1969 to the lowest unemployment rate ever. One record after another for African-Americans and Hispanic Americans and Asian-Americans and women in the workplace and youth unemployment. And then we're going to look at a president that kept promises with the largest tax cut in history. Then a president that kept his promises on judges. Then a president that kept his promises, no matter how he had to get it done, he got the wall money and is building the wall down at the southern border. Then the president's promises to redo trade deals with Japan, Canada, Mexico, Western European allies. His promise to have NATO pay more of their fair share. His promise that the military rules of engagement would be removed and we beat the caliphate. We killed Baghdadi. We killed his successor. We killed his press person. And we killed three other, you know, high level ISIS targets. Um, That's another promise he kept. And so then you're going to look at this socialism and this radicalism and America's going to have to choose. That's how this plays out. That's just in one variation of form. That's the next 358 days. John in South Carolina. John, how are you? Sean, that's John. John from South Carolina. I'm a Marine Corps Vietnam veteran. Simplify, my friend. Say, What's going on? Simplify. I just want to say, thank God we have President Trump. I believe that he should have a do-over. He should be uh, get another term added to his term that he's serving now. These guys are unbelievable what they're trying to do to this country. You know, the fake news, they start a whole generation of Vietnam veterans with their baby killer headlines and everything else. I have to take, I have to double up on my medication just to listen to the news. I'm tired of these Democrats and the fake news media. They all deserve to, you know, just go away, you know. And I'm I'm just besides myself every time I watch the news. This president, I can't say enough about him. I would put on my uniform again and go serve if I had to. As a matter of fact, I do still serve. I'm with the South Carolina State Guard. I'm 71 years old. Good for you, sir. I put my life on line for this man he's a godsend god bless him and god bless you and god I, bless I you too say, thank you for all you've done thank thanks to all our veterans today i mean we honor them today thank you for all the veterans god bless all of them men and yeah. women men and thank women you, thank you my friend what a great guy What's going to happen? When you find out who the whistleblower is, I'm confident you're going to find out it's somebody from the deep state. You're going to find out that they had interactions with uh, with the Schiff, and this thing's going to uh, stink to high heaven. And the only reason we don't know who the whistleblower is, that it hurts their cause. They're not trying to find the truth here. If you really wanted to know the truth about why uh, Joe Biden said what he did about the prosecutor, if you don't fire this guy, we're going to cut off the money. Well, let's find out that his was Hunter Biden in the crosshairs of the prosecutor. This is not about Schiff finding the truth. This is about Schiff trying to destroy the Trump presidency. Mueller looked at Trump two years, $25 million, 40 FBI agents, and didn't find anything. Now we got it in the hands of Schiff and Nadler. If you think Schiff is looking for the truth, uh, you shouldn't be allowed to drive anywhere in America because that's a ridiculous concept. But many of these players that we're talking about when it comes to Ukraine are the same players that that dropped those breadcrumbs and tried to spread a narrative of President Trump that was absolutely not true. And that did not stop the media from driving the bus on this and and having this hysteria for two and a half years of this president's uh, administration. One of the, the people on the GOP's list is Nellie Orr, Senator, former contractor for Fusion GPS. Why do you think she's on this list? 
Well, I think they were trying to find the connection between the whistleblower complaint and what happened in 2016. Here's what they don't want you to know. They don't want you to know that the whistleblower was on the Brennan team, if he was. They don't want you to know that he's tied to people who falsely got on a warrant against Carter Page four times. They don't want you to know that he's tied to the group that set up a counterintelligence investigation of the Trump campaign in 2016. It would blow them out of the water if, in fact, the whistleblower was connected to a Democratic candidate and came from the CIA world that's been trying to destroy the Trump presidency before he got elected. That's why they don't want you to know who this person is. But back to the whistleblower, it's impossible to bring this case forward, in my view, fairly, without us knowing who the whistleblower is and having a chance to cross-examine them about any biases that they may have. So if they don't call the whistleblower in the House, this thing is dead on arrival in the Senate. So who is the whistleblower, non-whistleblower, hearsay whistleblower? Uh, that subpoena needs to go through. Adam Schiff's office apparently contact with the hearsay whistleblower. What are the origins of all of this? And if Democrats, I was watching, I think Steyer, whatever his name is, the, the crazy lefty guy that thought he was going to be president uh, this weekend. He goes, but there's there was a quid pro quo. No, the president offered nothing, held back nothing. Ukraine got everything. We knew about election interference. He's faithfully executing the laws of the land, trying to get to Ukrainian interference in our elections in 2016. And the only quid pro quo was with Joe and Hunter. Zero experience Joe, a zero experience Hunter gets paid millions. And Joe Biden says you got six hours. Uh, if you fire the prosecutor, you get a billion. You don't get you don't fire him. You don't get a billion. That's the only quid pro quo here as we head into madness week in America. Anyway, here to sort through the madness and, of course, also the appearance of that this is all fair, except when you read the fine print uh, at the discretion of the compromised, con corrupt, congenital liar fact witness in the case, Adam Schiff. Uh, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, author of Trump versus China, facing America's greatest threat. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. And uh, I have to say that since I read uh, Lee Smith's book, The Plot Against the President, it is all sort of come into focus for me. And I don't think we have words to describe the scale of the corruption we're facing. And I think that, that you know, so we, we keep complaining about this or that or the next thing. The truth is what you have is a desperate, corrupt machine, which is doing everything it can to destroy Trump and the people who support Trump. And there are no holes barred. And there's no reason to expect them, to be honest. And there's no reason to expect them to be decent. Uh, because it's like dealing with the mafia. This is the political equivalent of the mafia trying to run America. So the, the Republicans, to me, the, the, the most amazing thing in all of this is to me is I read the transcript. And when the president uses the line, uh, I need you to do me a favor. What is he asking for? Uh, Ukraine, crowd strike. You know, we've just been through all of this with Mueller. Um, we really need you to help us get to the bottom of it. I thought Democrats cared about outside election interference uh, and Ukraine. We now know from a Ukrainian court decision and Politico was involved in it. So they only care about Trump Russia collusion, not the dirty dossier. And they don't care at all about Ukrainian election interference. But they care about Donald Trump asking to get to the bottom of election interference. I'm going to probably be boring because I'm going to repeat what I just said. These people are corrupt. They're totally dishonest. So whatever they do, you shouldn't be surprised by. 
because it simply is an extension of how deeply corrupt they are. So what um, is the answer? You know, we'll put, like Schiff, All right, but it's a political process. It's to say to every Republican, uh, you need to stand firm and get through this totally artificial mess. And then you need to beat all of them. I mean, we need to have a good candidate against Schiff. Frankly, as crazy as it sounds, we ought to have a candidate against Pelosi. Uh, we should do what we did back in 1993-94 and run everywhere and make it a very simple test. If you think if you want your country to be dominated by corrupt left-wingers who are going to impose their values on you and use the government to impose behavior change on you, uh, vote for the Democrats. But don't kid yourself. That's who they are, and that's what they'll do. So the, the Republicans don't have America, the— Venezuela. So the way that this seems like a predictable outcome to me, the Democrats are going to have their their look, they're, they're they're trying to create the appearance of the fairness that you offered Bill Clinton. But you didn't have these words in there that circumvent every bit of fairness that you had offered Bill Clinton's sure. attorneys and the Democrats and the ranking members, because at the end of every sentence, it says, but the discretion remains with the chairman. And Adam Schiff said, no, no, I'm not going to be a witness. No, we're not going to call on the whistleblower. Uh, real, a, a real confession of a real quid pro quo with a billion real American dollars uh, demanding a real action, which is the firing of the prosecutor. So it's going to be a sham trial now coming public, but apparently only with the witnesses that interpret a phone call differently than everybody else. Look, I, I think the easiest way to think of this is this is a kangaroo court and Adam Schiff is the chief kangaroo and the Democrats are in the process of dropping the donkey and acquiring the kangaroo as their symbol. And that's just where we are. And I All think, right, so how does this you know, play it, out then? <laughs> do you think they get the votes to impeach him in the House? And then what should the t- Senate do? Because I like the line of Lindsey Graham, no due process. Um, the Senate's not going to take this up. Right. I, well, first, first of all, uh, they have been notably unsuccessful, except in the New York Times and the Washington Post, which are equally corrupt and have equally sold out. Uh, they've been notably unsuccessful with these witnesses, because when you start reading the details, such as Ambassador Taylor, uh, who it turns out knew nothing. He had not been in any meetings. He had not talked to the president. He hadn't been on the phone call. And basically what he knew he got from the New York Times. Well, you know, if those are the quality witnesses they're going to bring forward, I don't, I'm don't. i not so sure they're going to gain momentum in these public hearings. And frankly, uh, adding uh, Jim Jordan to the team, and as good as Nunes has been and, and as good as the other Republicans have been, I have a hunch by the time this is over, uh, we may have uh, some very, very powerful proof that the whole thing is a fiasco, and it may just disintegrate under their very hands. I mean... Uh, I think whatever decent Democrats are left have got to be embarrassed by Schiff. They have to be embarrassed by the, pat- the patent dishonesty, and the patent cheating, and the rigging of the game. I mean, there's a point here where you just have to say uh, that it is, it is sickening how blatantly, openly dishonest Schiff is. Well, I mean, he's he's compromised as his office did. All right. So there's a process here that they're going to play out. I I thought it was very interesting. You had a Democratic member of the House impeachment and uh, so-called committee 
urging their fellow Democrats to stop arguing the quid pro quo uh, is where they're going to impeach him on. Um, And they got off it, quote, because it's complicated and they've already attested to the fact that, uh, well, maybe that didn't actually happen in this case. So they're moving on to the next option, I guess, maybe door number one to impeach door number two, door door number three. Um, What do you advise the president to do in this process? And the Senate, those are two people. I actually think he's done pretty well so far. I mean, I think, first of all, you ought to keep focusing on being president. You ought to focus on the great job with the economy, uh, the, the meeting in Atlanta with African-American supporters, and the message that this is the best economic data for, for black Americans we've ever had. Uh, he needs to keep focusing on uh, the judgeships. I'm just writing a newsletter now about this amazing partnership between Mitch McConnell and the president. Uh, I mean... He's gotten 50% more appeals court judges approved in his first term than either Obama or Clinton. Uh, and he, they're, they're dramatically changing to a conservative constitutional court. He needs to keep doing stuff like that. And then I think uh, at some point down the road, um, I mean, I think we, the president should be demanding that they subpoena. Um, the, the, this guy's not a whistleblower, by the way. Uh, a whistleblower is a technical term. This guy is a liar and a cheat. Who, who leaked and who almost certainly broke the law leaking. I um, mean, you can't have CIA agents deciding randomly that they're superior and their moral values allow them to leak stuff. And this guy's a leaker, and, and he's not covered, as, as Andy McCarthy has proven, and, and with great detail. Um, and McCarthy is a good lawyer. Uh, this guy doesn't come under the Whistleblower Act, by definition. Well, the th- and, and this whole, but again, notice, notice what the left does. The left brings out a guy that they, that they say is terribly important. Then they tell you you can't find out who he is. Then they tell you, as, as Facebook has apparently said, you can't even mention his name. So even if you know it, you can't say it. Well, this is the kind of, of totally crazy totalitarian behavior that we should all reject totally as a country. So is the end of this now, all right, let's assume this process ends and impeachment or not impeachment. If it's impeachment, I would argue that the Senate should dismiss uh, there are parliamentary maneuvers that they can make and use and go with the, you know, that they could use the super option if they want. Um, and and they're not needing a, a super majority at all, just a simple well, up or down oh, vote. Right. What's up? Yeah, but, but remember, remember for a second. And this is where I would yield to, to people like Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell uh, and Senator Grassley. Uh, you have to ask yourself the question. What if they said this is terrific? We're going to take it up. Our first witness will be Hunter Biden. Our second witness will be Joe Biden. Yep. And our third witness will be the whistleblower. I mean, if Lindsey Graham were to release his initial witness list, the way, remember Trump in, in 16 releases the potential Supreme Court nominees and then makes all of us feel good that he's really going to be a conservative. Well, what if, what if Lindsey in the next week were to say, I want you to send them to me. I'm chairman of judiciary. Let me tell you the order I'm going to subpoena people. I'm going to subpoena chef. I'm going, to, I'm going to subpoena his staff, who, by the way, can't claim immunity. I'm, I'm going to subpoena Hunter Biden. And I'm looking forward to these opportunities. And then from there, we're going to subpoena other people, including Steele. And we might well bring the Steele dossier in this. I mean, we, the Republican Senate can redefine what the issue is. I they love say, this. You're right. We want to find out about foreign corruption. Great minds think alike. Let's do six months of public hearings. I agree. Stay right there. Uh, Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, is with us. Uh, Nikki Haley, her first radio interview, uh, her brand new book. Um, 
it's going to be very interesting to get the reaction to this. Uh, a couple of interesting nuggets uh, in there that I'll tell you about in a minute. And as we continue, Newt Gingrich uh, is with us. His new book, bestseller, Trump versus China, Facing America's Greatest Threat. So when it's all over this process, I, I'm assuming after the IG report, the Durham report, after the country really understands this Ukrainian latest witch hunt and all these attacks to undermine an elected president, and we're going to get to a campaign. We are today 350 days out of that campaign. We, I'm sorry, 358 days until Election Day from, from today. My question to you is, how does that end and how does this factor into America's thinking? Well, OK, first of all, I believe if the economy continues and there's every reason to believe it will, Trump is going to be reelected. And there's a chance he's going to be reelected in a landslide. Uh which will stun everybody, uh, but will be based on the fact that the Democrats are in total utter disarray. I mean, when you look at some of the things the Democratic presidential candidates are doing, uh, it's sort of like nut, nutty and nuttier. And, and you watch some of the things they're saying, uh, and then you look at the whole pattern of the evolution of the Democratic Party right now. I, I think that they are drifting towards just a fiasco. And, you know, people like Bloomberg, you know, Bloomberg obviously believes that the current candidates are so weak that he can enter the race late, spend a lot of money, and get the nomin- have a reasonable chance of getting the nomination. He's, he's not stupid. Uh, so he actually believes that this is a sort of a barometer of how weak he thinks the candidates are. Well, he also, and when America finds out his views on the Second Amendment and a whole host of other issues, I think he disqualifies himself almost instantaneously. Mr. Speaker, thanks for being with us. Oh, I, uh, I, look, I think it's too... Glad to talk to you. All right, we'll talk again soon. Uh, Newt Gingrich, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Nikki Haley is up next. Uh, Brand new book out. Interesting things that have been picked up in the book about Rex Tillerson and General Kelly. We'll get to that and her background. Uh, That's next. We put it up on Hannity.com. Straight ahead. Do you think ultimately the president will be impeached and removed from office? No. On what? You're going to impeach a president for... Asking for a favor that didn't happen and and giving money and it wasn't withheld. I don't know what you would impeach him on. And look, Nora, impeachment is like the death penalty for a public official. When you look at the transcript, there's nothing in that transcript that warrants the death penalty for the president. And I think that to be clear, it was not a complete transcript. There are still things that are missing from it. And in that he does say, I would like you to do us a favor, though. The Ukrainians never did the investigation and the president released the funds. I mean, when you look at those, there's just nothing impeachable there. And more than that, I think the the biggest thing that bothers me is the American people should decide this. Why do we have a bunch of people in Congress making this decision? Uh, Happy Veterans Day, honoring those brave men, women that serve and defend our freedom, serve us every day. And. You know, we can't live our lives without what they do for us every day as we honor them on this day. We should honor them every day. Um, so I got a hold of Nikki Haley's new book, former governor of the great state of South Carolina, and I couldn't put it down. I was reading it all throughout the weekend, picking it up. A fascinating life background experience, how she became governor, um, some disagreements with the president, some, you know, how also that she and the president understood each other. Um, I think the thing, Governor, it's great to have you back that stands out in the book is what has already made a lot of news. And that is your comments about General Kelly and and Secretary of State Tillerson at the time and how they tried to undermine the president 
confiding in you that when they resisted the president, they weren't being insubordinate. They were trying to save the country. Um, and you gave an interesting answer. Bring us in the room and how that happened. Thanks, Sean. It's great to be with you again. And happy Veterans Day to my husband, Michael, my brother, Mitty, and all the veterans out there and their families who sacrifice every day. It's, it's a great day to honor them. You know, I mean, when you talk about the situation with um, Rex and Kelly, the, the problem with what they were trying to do is it's not like they thought that there was this rogue president out there causing havoc. They disagreed with his policies. And that's the part that bothered me so much. You know, they disagreed with, you know, us getting out of the Paris Climate Agreement. They disagreed with us getting out of the Iran deal. They disagreed with us moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. So these were policy issues that the president was trying to implement, that they were either stalling or sidetracking because they thought that it was in the best interest of the country. And I mean, the perfect example is you look at the embassy move from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. I mean, you know, you they thought the sky was going to fall. You know, Rex thought that people were going to die. And the thing is, the sky's still up there. And it was recognizing a truth that needed to happen and, you know, was very courageous. And I think the thing is, the president needed a team to support him. He didn't need a team that thought they knew better than him. And that was the issue at hand. You see, I don't think a lot of people understand Donald Trump and 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 I just don't. I mean, when he says he's going to recognize the sovereignty of Golan, he means it. Uh, all these other presidents had promised that very issue, the embassy to Jerusalem and recognizing the true capital of Israel. Uh, he follows through on tax cuts, follows through and fights and finds a way to get money for the border wall. Beat back the caliphate, uh, fought for better trade deals and got them. Uh, all the XL pipelines, Keystone XL pipeline, the Dakota pipeline, Anwar is now open. We're now energy independent. You know, every single the judges that he puts on the bench. Um, I don't think people like the I don't think they understand him because when he says he's going to do something, he he fights hard to get it done. Why is that such a problem for so many that work with him? Well, you know, and I talk about in the book that he's a disruptor. And for some people, it's been a saving grace and appreciated. And for others, it makes them mad. And, you know, what I believe is, you know, he is the right president at the right time. He's made some very courageous moves. I mean, getting out of the Iran deal when the rest of the world was trying to push him to stay in. Or the um, climate accord deal. Courageous. And I think it was in our best interest for national security. You know, all of these differences that I saw on the foreign policy side were really the president saying, we're going to take a stand and we're going to take our voice back for America. And, you know, we certainly did that at the United Nations, pushing the policies that he felt were in the best interest. And frankly, I agreed with him on everything. We needed a disruptor to take over our foreign policy. We needed our allies to know that, look, we're not going to carry the burden. We need you to step up and we need to do this together. We needed those that were saying death to America to understand that we're not going to let them get away with that. And the president was very strong on that. And he was strong on a lot of other issues where I've we never seen being treated fair, like the Paris Climate Agreement or I, trade deals. And I think, you know, these this was a time for a disruptor in America. And for those of us who wanted change, I think we see it in a good way. And for those that were establishment and those that didn't want to see change and wanted to be business as usual, they thought that it was harmful. You know, it's interesting because I've used that very term quite often myself. He's a disruptor. The, the country knew he was going to be a disruptor. 
the I agree with you. The country needs it. It needs it more now than ever. That's why I think he's hated so much, even by members of his own party. Um, you describe a somewhat complicated relationship with him. You write in the book that you and he understood each other. Um, at other times, you've been critical of him. Let me play some of it and and t- explain the relationship uh, after you listen. All right. I got to ask you, you're the daughter of two immigrants. What do you make of Donald Trump's rhetoric? I understand his frustration, the the frustration that he has about illegal immigration. A lot of people have. The difference is we need to be very conscious of our tone. We need to be very conscious of how we communicate. During anxious times, it can be tempting to follow the siren call of the angriest voices. We must resist that temptation. But I just want to be clear here that when you were talking about those loudest voices, those angriest voices, in that context, you were referring to Donald Trump, correct? He was one of them, yes. Donald Trump is everything we hear and teach our kids not to do in kindergarten. And we have seen just behavior over and over again that's unacceptable. I will not stop until we fight a man that chooses not to disavow the KKK. That is not a part of our party. That's not who we want as president. We will not allow that in our country. All right. And you, at another point, uh, Governor, you said you didn't like the president sure calling the squad the said, squad. Because I know that that kept on playing during the show. I mean, I think that what's important is that, um, look, I the reason why I felt so strongly about how I handled my relationship with the president was because I was elected as governor and I understood the importance of a cabinet that I always asked for three things. I asked for them to be creative, support the people, and if they saw me going in a direction they disagreed with, to come tell me. And I did the same for the president, and he always appreciated that. And we actually had a very good relationship, and still do to this day, because I thought it was important that he knew the pitfalls that I saw and that we work on that together. And we did. I mean, the, the things that but you I, but I remember specifically at that time, in particular, the president had disavowed David Duke, had disavowed the Klan, had disav- he disavowed, disavowed, disavowed. And I felt it was purposely taken out of context. Some of the remarks that he made at the time. Um, and even the president said, well, how do, how do I have to disavow every single time you ask me the question? Because I do disavow them and was was very outspoken, if I remember correctly. Well, you know, I, this is what I'll tell you is when those things were happening, we had just gotten past the Charleston tragedy and it was very raw. And it was very it was a scary time because it was the first time we had seen someone with a hate filled heart go into a church and harm people just because of the color of their skin. This had nothing to do with the president. This had everything to do with the tone of everyone in the country and remind everyone that, look, we can disagree. I I agree with the president completely on illegal immigration and and the fact that we need vetting and that we need borders and that we need to fight for that. What I've always said is let's continue to fight that the right way. Let's not go and say things that can be harmful. This has nothing to do with David Duke. That was a moment in time during the campaign. I think that what we, I have said is it's not just about the president. I actually have told the media, don't make this about the president. This is about Republicans. This is about Democrats. This is about people in the media. This is about people in sports and entertainment. It's about the way everyone talks, the way they treat the president, and the way all of us talk about any of these issues. We need to be responsible in the way that we talk. 
One of the things that has always frustrated me as a conservative is this false narrative that we get every two and four years that Republicans are racist, sexist, misogynist, uh, that they're homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air and water. They want grandma and grandpa to eat cat food and dog food before a Paul Ryan lookalike throws them over the cliff. Um, I think it's a false narrative. The best we now have the best employment situation, as you know, Governor, since 1969. Record low unemployment, another record set in October for African-Americans, uh, for Asian-Americans, Hispanic Americans, women in the workplace and youth unemployment. Democrats talk a good game. They they say that all these horrible things about what can who conservatives are. But uh, the person that is working, whose policies are working best for every community in this country well, in this case, are Donald Trump's policies. Well, you know, I think that it's obviously it's an unfair characterization of Republicans to say that we don't care about people. We do care about people and we care about the national security of this country. And that's why we need Congress to get in there and debate these illegal immigration issues so that we can secure our borders and so that we can vet people and know exactly who's coming into this country. It doesn't mean that Republicans don't care about the environment. We care about it very much. And I think you can look at the business community and how on their own they are doing things to make to be more pro um, green. And I saw that as governor in South Carolina, where companies would actually spend a lot more money in the name of being green and climate friendly. Um, and they didn't have to. I think that you can look at the fact that I'm the daughter of legal immigrants that came here and my parents are offended by people who come here the wrong way. I think you can look at the fact that we want every person to have a job. We want everyone around us to be lifted up and do better. And that's why we fight for low unemployment. That's why we fight for making well, let me sure the ask economy you this for the benefit of time. hire more people and increase wages. That's why we fight for the things we fight for. For them to say that Republicans don't have a heart is not fair at all, because in every it's policy, not just fair, we- it's a lie. I mean, they, there are lies because I'm a conservative and I deplore racism, sexism, misogynism uh, and any of the phobias that they claim that we have. I think that's all a lie. Um, let me ask you about, but you know, the, Sean, the, while they talk, we show it in results. And I think that's what matters. And I think that every single issue that they bring up like that, we have a counter argument in a result that we can prove, whether it's unemployment, whether it's building the wall, whether it's trying to make sure that we see the lowest um, unemployment for, that we've seen for African-Americans, for women, for all of those, whether it's Thanks. an economy where people are seeing more in their it's, wallet it's than the they've ever seen. It's the best we've seen in, in, in decades. Proving- Hang in there right there. I got to take a break. Quick break. Right back. Nikki Haley, governor of the great state of South Carolina. I heard you just bought a beautiful house. Uh, so that will be your permanent home, I'm sure. Um, Trump and I understood each other. Her book is out today. We're put it, it's all up on Hannity.com. With all due respect, defending America with grit and grace. Uh, on the other side, we'll get the governor's take on this impeachment madness. Uh, and as we continue, Governor Nikki Haley, her new book just out today. It's on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. It's called With All Due Respect, Defending America with Grit and Grace. So we've had three years of Russia, 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 four investigations, no collusion. Uh, Now we have a president. uh, They want to impeach him over a phone call with the president of Ukraine. And what I hear is the president faithfully executing the laws by finding out if Ukraine interfered in our 2016 election. 
And number two, when I hear Joe Biden talk about you have six hours, if you fire the prosecutor investigating my son, you get a billion. If you don't fire him, you don't. That sounds like a crime to me, too. But the Democrats want to impeach Donald Trump. Your reaction and what should he how would you advise he handle this? Well, you know, I think that, first of all, I've said often that impeachment um, is like the death penalty in for a public official. And that means the highest form of punishment. And when you look at the situation that the Ukrainians didn't start an investigation, the aid fl- flowed to them. But go back and look at the policy that the president's had for Ukraine. He's actually made the policy pro-Ukrainian more so than Obama. He's made sure he's armed them with equipment so that they can counter the counter Russia. He's made sure that we've done military. Do you training. see any crime I mean, in that transcript that at all? Do, do you see any crime in that transcript? No, there's no crime in the transcript because there's nothing that happened from it. It was a phone call that he had, and it wasn't anything demanding that it happen or the aid wouldn't flow. It was saying that this investigation should be looked into, but the aid flowed anyway. And when you're talking about impeachment, that's a serious offense. I don't see a crime here. All right, Nikki Haley, I've enjoyed reading the book. There's a lot about your family I didn't have time to get to, but uh, definitely... Uh, your family, your background, your life, uh, your rise to being the governor of the great state of South Carolina, uh, then your position in the Trump administration. It's its pretty fascinating, and I, I couldn't put it down. It's uh, called, with all due respect, Defending America with Grit and Grace in bookstores everywhere, Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Uh, governor, thank you for being with us. We'll see you tonight also on uh, the TV show. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Sean. Thanks, Governor. 800-941-SEAN, our number. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. Hey, right here for our final news roundup and information overload. What's going to happen? When you find out who the whistleblower is, I'm confident you're going to find out it's somebody from the deep state. You're going to find out that they had interactions with a, with the a shift, and this thing's going to stink to high heaven. And the only reason we don't know who the whistleblower is, that it hurts their cause. They're not trying to find the truth here. If you really wanted to know the truth about why uh, Joe Biden said what he did about the prosecutor, if you don't fire this guy, we're going to cut off the money. Well, let's find out, Did his, was Hunter Biden in the crosshairs of the prosecutor? This is not about Schiff finding the truth. This is about Schiff trying to destroy the Trump presidency. Mueller looked at Trump Two years, $25 million, 40 FBI agents, and didn't find anything. Now we got it in the hands of Schiff and Nadler. If you think Schiff is looking for the truth, uh, you shouldn't be allowed to drive anywhere in America because that's a ridiculous concept. All right, that was Lindsey Graham. Uh, glad you're with us. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Toll-free telephone numbers 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. The Where we now need to head with all of this is very, very fundamental and simple and basic. We know that the the chairman of this latest witch hunt, the, the congenital liar who lied about, we have all the evidence of Trump-Russia collusion for three years, well, we know he's compromised. We know he's a fact witness. We know that his office had contact. And by the way, Schiff's office will and staff will not have immunity. They will have to testify should Lindsey Graham call them. We need to call Schiff. We need to call his staff. We need to call the real quid pro quo, hashtag quid pro quo Joe. And by the way, if you go to our nine line apparel on Hannity.com, uh, you're really going to love what we put up there. We have a hashtag quid pro quo Joe which I think is funny, or read the transcript, another funny one. Um, and it's all part of a great group of military guys, Nine Line, that we've been partnering with. 
And uh, they have amazing apparel and they help vets and their families with gainful employment, create jobs, et cetera. But anyway, not to get distracted. So we really do have a quid pro quo. That's with Joe. We really do have zero experience Hunter. We really have what Lindsey Graham was describing, somebody that we now know. Everybody in D.C. has known the name for quite a long period of time. If you want to find it, you know what my advice is? Just go look at Adam Schiff's papers because he revealed it. Whoopsie-daisy. And why, why doesn't Adam Schiff want to call the whistleblower? Because then they will have to reveal the involvement with Schiff's office. He is compromised. He's corrupt. He's a congenital liar. And then we'll have to also interview everyone that works in Schiff's office that had contact with the hearsay whistleblower. And, you know, notwithstanding the fact, as Andy McCarthy says, the whistleblower isn't a whistleblower under the law. Anyway, here to break some new news on it is our friend Carrie Pickett, reporter for The Washington Examiner. She's breaking open the story on the whistleblower and how corrupt and how deceptive he and this whole case against President Trump is. Uh, how are you, Kerry? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Sean. Okay, so we're looking at, let's see, somebody that was invited to state dinners with Joe Biden, somebody that had a close relationship with Schiff's office, uh, a somebody that worked under Brennan, but was a holdover from, from the Obama years in the Trump White House. Uh, sounds like somebody with a big agenda who went to the most corrupt Trump hater in Washington, Adam Schiff. Yes, yeah. We we at the Washington Examiner we've been breaking a number of stories on this suspected Ukraine whistleblower. But one thing that uh, I just have uh, found out about this particular uh, quote unquote whistleblower is that he had, and for the sake of this conversation, we're going to refer to this whistleblower as a he, uh, had a incredible access. Uh, to uh, the to documents that went to McMaster and to the the uh, president and and knew everything about everyone who went to the president and who also people who also walked out of the president's office mainly because uh, he was the uh, special assistant to McMaster. So he managed to pretty much hang out uh, around the NSC suite. So every single document that 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 went to McMaster, all of it, and he had extensive access. So it, it he didn't even have to necessarily even listen to the phone call. He always knew what was going on around the president when it came to national security, Sean. So this is something that 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 is pretty unprecedented in terms of someone who would know what was going on on the president 24 seven when it came to foreign policy yeah you know as you look at the guy's background it's clear he has a political agenda what's so frustrating i guess it's not really even frustrating i guess predictable now but the, the, at the end of this whole you know circus atmosphere this corruption these angry you know psychotic raging democratic uh, members in the House and those in the and the mob and the media, you know, we're still going to be left with they didn't they they haven't laid a glove on Trump. They haven't done a thing for the country and where they want to take the country is not going to help the country. So uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and by the way, Sean, I want to point out here. OK, and this is a very strong suspicion that I have. You have Mark Zaid. 
Remember, he's now saying, and this is to confuse everybody. Oh, Mark Zaid is the attorney for the whistleblower. And Mark Zaid, uh, 10 days after Donald Trump was inaugurated, out tweeting how the coup has begun. Exactly. Remember now, he's, he, as, as you just pointed out, he's the, the, the attorney for the whistleblower who has not uh, confirmed nor denied anything about the name that has been put out there. But remember, he's also said that he's also representing a number of whistleblowers who did not file any whistleblower complaint. Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why they haven't filed any whistleblower complaints themselves. Maybe, just maybe, and this is just a suspicion of mine. Maybe it's because some of them could be out there showing their faces. Maybe, maybe it's because some of them are actually talking publicly. And so that is something to actually think about, because while they're talking publicly, perhaps uh, they're, and, and they're out there supposedly corroborating uh, this whistleblower's account, while this whistleblower, while this whistleblower quote unquote, is uh, staying behind the scenes, not testifying, and then and then they're saying, oh, well, this is conveniently corroborating his account. Well, that's funny, because then uh, in that case, why doesn't this whistleblower just walk out and say, hey, yeah, it's it's me? So it really makes you wonder why is it that uh, this individual, if if it's the wrong person. Why isn't this wrong person coming out and saying, oh, no, 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 you have the wrong person. You're, you're misidentifying me. Well, you know, I think we would have known by now and that we would have heard it by now. Um, it, the McMaster part of it is interesting. And, you know, to me, at the end of the day, we don't need any of them. The only thing now that we've got to put together is yet another uh, coup attempt, if you will, by the by the Democrats orchestrated another insurance policy blowing up in their face and the great collateral damage in all of this is going to be the person that was really involved in a quid pro quo that's joe uh and the person that was paid millions from a lot of countries with zero experience and that would be hunter and then we have to see the corruption that exists once again with the congenital liar schiff so we're you know actually this now becomes the trial on a bunch of power hungry sore losers who will lie, cheat, and do whatever they have to do to undo the 2016 election or to try and bludgeon up Trump enough so that they think that they can defeat him in 2020. And I think it's all backfiring again. But uh, we're going to put up Kerry's uh, column on Hannity.com. Kerry, thank you as always. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, 800-941-SEAN is our number. Indiana, we got uh, Rhonda standing by. Rhonda, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. I just want to tell you that as a Trump voter, I'm taking this very personally, this never-ending attempt to overturn my vote and the votes of all my fellow Americans who voted for the president, too. To me, it signifies a great arrogance. Um, And in my life, I've learned that arrogance tends to blind us. Um, It causes us to overestimate ourselves. We underestimate our opponents. And because of that, it does eventually lead to our downfall. And I think that's why they are going to be blindsided again come next November. Listen, the ultimate revenge is in 358 days. The ultimate revenge is we the people. Um, Look, I, I don't think that Trump can win New York or California or New Jersey or or Illinois. 
But I think he can win Pennsylvania. I think he can win Wisconsin back. Minnesota, I think he can take. I think he can take Michigan. I, I think all of the people that have benefited from his policies, I think demographically, I think this president can do better than any Republican pre- president in our lifetime, having set records for demographic groups that everyone, you know, they, they, they tell everybody every two and four years, Republicans are against them. Okay, Republicans get in power and then everything turns around on their behalf, benefiting them and their families and their communities and making a better life for themselves. And I think we've been lied to enough that hopefully this could be a seismic shift long term. Thank you, Rhonda. Larry Vegas next. K Dawn Radio. What's up, Larry? How are you, sir? Uh, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I, I just wanted to mention something that that I think a lot of people are missing. But when you look at the uh, the, the uh, broadcast with Biden uh, talking about Ukraine, during this, he really, through his arrogance, his patronizing and condescending manner, he clearly exposes the pay the play to pay policies of the Democratic machine and the organization, both on uh, U.S. Uh, uh, lines and also uh, international. But during it, uh, Biden clearly exposes Barack Obama. He basically states that if you don't believe me, call Barack. Well, this arrogance also is 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 a, a furtherance of how the democratic organization works with its pay-to-play scheme uh, through a favor, uh, uh, blackmail, and character assassination, and that's what they're they're trying to do. Everything that they're guilty of, they're basically trying to blame the president of the United States. Isn't it amazing? Everything that they're doing, everything that they're trying, every attempt to undo the 2016 election. It all boomerangs back. The only Russia collusion was Hillary Clinton's dirty Russian dossier. The only collusion quid pro quo with Ukraine or election interference with Ukraine was in support of Hillary uh, as as DNC representatives colluded with Ukrainian officials in the Ukrainian embassy. And as Politico pointed out, yeah, it was successful. The only quid pro quo. Well, that would be quid pro quo, Joe. The only People that are cashing in with no experience that I know of are Hunter Biden and his buddies. It's unbelievable. And yet the media, they had they bifurcate that part. They compartmentalize away what is truth. And they just in their psychosis, in their madness, they can't even see what a bunch of hypocrites they are. Thanks, Larry. Other witnesses the Republicans have requested that I would think that the the chairman is going to make available to testify. Tim Morrison is one. Kurt Volker is another. Uh, We want to stay focused on the Ukraine call. And having Hunter Biden come in is unrelated to the Ukraine call. And so that becomes irrelevant. The whistleblower, again, has protection. Back to our busy phones we go. Corbin is in Missouri next on the Sean Hannity Show. How are you, Corbin? Glad you called. Uh, do, doing good, Sean. Just trying to stay warm because we're getting... We're, getting I mean, a little cold, cold weather? It's all right. Buckle yeah, up. Oh, get those yeah. uh, those toe and hand warmer things out. And you'll be fine. You, you got that right. So, hey, you know what? Hey, being a big Trump supporter, I mean, you know what? We're just sick and tired of, of the line and everything else like that. We voted for Donald Trump because we wanted something different in the end. Because you know what? We were fed the same sandwich time after time after time. You know, and some you know, sometimes I'd say, Okay, well, this sandwich is it, it's all all wheat, okay, and this one's gluten free and everything else like that. We we wanted something different, and that's why Donald Trump's in there. And we're getting sick and tired 
of all the lying about, you know, Schiff and, Schiff and these little kangaroo court that he's got in secret. You know, we're, we're not being told anything. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and now they're coming out and they're, they're going to publicly lie. And, you know, and like you said, it's going to be a great day in 2020 whenever we put Donald Trump back in the White House. And it's going to be interesting to see what these people are going to say. They're going to get on TV and they're going to bitch and they're going to moan and scream and yell. And they're going to try to figure out who can we blame now? And, you know, and it, you, you all want to blame somebody, blame the voters. That's exactly what you know, this is what we wanted. We, we wanted something different in the end. And yeah, that's Nikki exactly Haley what spelled that out. Well, I mean, American, I don't know why they think we're stupid. America knew what they were getting in Donald Trump. They were getting a non-politician, a disruptor, an iconoclast uh, that was going to fight, be abrasive, confrontational and put America first. And he's fulfilled the promises. That's the irony. None of these people seem to understand. Let us also show our profound appreciation to the 2019 Grand Marshals of the Parade who have served in World War II, Korea, Vietnam, the Gulf War, and Iraq. This morning is more than 30,000 patriotic Americans lined the streets of Manhattan. We carry on a noble tradition that began one century ago. In 1919, the people of this city filled block after block to welcome home General Pershing and his 25,000 American soldiers after victory in World War I. Just a few years before, many of those soldiers had boarded ships not far from here at Hoboken Port. More than 4 million Americans fought in the Great War and more than 116,000 made the ultimate sacrifice. At the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918, the armistice was declared. The war had come to an end and the Allies achieved a great, great victory. Every year since, on November 11th, we have shared our nation's deepest praise and gratitude to every citizen who has worn the uniform of the American Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, and Marines. We are profoundly moved to have with us veterans of World War II, including one of the Grand Marshals, Woody Williams. Thank you. Thank you, Woody. Thank you very much, Woody. To each veteran of the war, the glory of your deeds will only grow greater with time. This city is graced by your presence. This nation is forever in your debt, and we thank you all. We're also pleased to be joined by veterans of the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, and the War on Terror. You are the reason our hearts swell with pride, our foes tremble with fear, and our nation thrives in freedom. Would you please stand so that we can honor your heroic service, please? All right. That was the president on this Veterans Day. First time ever a U.S. president actually took the time. First president in history to attend the Veterans Day parade in New York. Um, and I thought he gave a great speech today. The president also, he broke news last week. Uh, people like Clint Lawrence, Eddie Gallagher, all these guys that have been treated un- so unfairly by a million.
military. We, you know, we ask these guys to go fight, risk their lives, come back, you know, without their arms and legs way too often if they come back at all or disfigured. And then we're second guessing choices in the battlefield. And there has been so much unfairness that we've been able to expose too much to go into now. But um, on this Veterans Day, we've had Tyler uh, Merritt uh, on this program before. He's the founder of Nine Line Apparel, and it's a veteran owned and operated company. And what this great company does, they have a great role in the workplace and a sense of purpose. And so they help vets with jobs and, and reacclimation. And we have just partnered with them. We call it the Hannity Store. And what we put in there is all made by Nine Line. This um, Nine Line Apparel is a veteran-owned company. They have created jobs in the U.S., manufacturing here. And so far, 150 guys are working in and around the Savannah area since their founding, uh, primarily for veterans and their families. It's an American brand, American-focused company. Their designs are kick-ass, to be very straightforward. And anyway, we kind of now have partnered with them, and we've got a lot of great stuff we're putting up on Hannity.com. We'll remind you about it. And uh, also with Tyler Merritt, we have our buddy Eddie Gallagher. You knew about his case recently. The president mentioned him the other day as well as somebody that will be reinstated back to his full rank. And uh, after the hell that they put him through, I mean, we send these guys to fight. We put handcuffs on them, the rules of engagement. And then when if they have to make a split second decision, then we've got some guys in an air conditioned office questioning their decision making. It's insane. Uh, Anyway, welcome both of you, our partners, uh, Tyler Merritt. Welcome aboard, sir. And Eddie, good to see you, my friend. Thanks for having me, Sean. Hey, thanks, Sean. Actually, uh, Eddie and I had the honor and the privilege to be at the address with the president earlier today, sitting next to uh, his son. And it's it's an honor to work with you. And just like it's an honor to be able to sit next to people like Eddie Gallagher on this Veterans Day. So thank you so much for having us on. Talk about Nine Line, how you started this, how you ever were crazy enough to partner with us, um, how many jobs you're creating, the types of stuff you're manufacturing and you're doing it here in America and you're hiring a lot of vets and helping them out. Yeah, Sean, actually, it was uh, I was still uh, in the military serving in special operations. I was a, a glorified bus driver for people like Eddie. So I would take them and, and put them in the places that no one should ever go and, and hopefully never have to uh, hear that nine line call because uh, in the military, that term nine line is a distress call. And, and when we set off to create this brand, I wanted something that resonated with our fan base, uh, something that would bridge the, the gap between the civil and military divide that was really prevalent at that time around 2012. Uh, so the, the idea, the name came up about for my brother. Um, he said, Hey, let's, let's call it nine line. Let's reinvigorate patriotism. Let's try to have a call to action to have people put their, their, you know, money where their mouth is. And that's essentially what we wanted to do as well. So we, we started nine line apparel in 2012, 2014. Um, I, I had a buddy of mine from West Point who lost pretty much all of his limbs. Uh, and we started nine line foundation. And since then we've been able to build, uh, wheelchair adaptable homes for severely wounded veterans. And now we're on an initiative to build tiny homes for homeless veterans. We'd actually, with your help, Sean, actually we, we, uh, built our 20th home. Um, so, That's so awesome. All right. So tell bring everybody up to speed. I, I know we got the quid pro quo Joe t-shirts up and apparently I guess people like them. <laughs> I like them a lot. Hashtag quid pro quo Joe. 
They're, they're going pretty well. And obviously there's a, there's a lot that needs to be discussed. And, and the, the cool thing about nine line is that we've been able to have a voice for the veteran community and for the, I, I would say, you know, patriotism in general. That's uh, so why partnering with you and, and allowing us to have an even bigger ju- voice to uh, call out the injustices, the injustices like Eddie Gallagher being put in prison for nine months, the injustices like uh, Joe Biden and his children making millions and millions of dollars uh, when there's no place for those type of actions in politics. You know, politics and business needs to be separate. That seems to be what the Trumps are doing. They've stopped doing international politics um, instead of trying to make money off the government. They're trying to uh, better our country. And and I think you putting it out there is important. How did you become uh, friends with Eddie? By the way, if you don't remember Eddie Gallagher, he's the uh, Navy SEAL special warfare operator, and he went through a, a well over a year of hell um, facing a court-martial um, on premeditated murder, attempted murder, obstruction of justice, uh, after a picture emerged of him with one of the casualties. Turns out that he was trying to save the guy's life, and in the middle of these proceedings, somebody stood up and said, no, I'm the one that did it. Um, and how we got to that point where nobody would listen to him from the get go um, and that a couple of you know people with an agenda uh, had just told outright falsehoods about him uh, became a pretty high profile, terrible case. Uh, my buddy Bernie Kerrig was active in this completely. But um, what do you think about the president saying that you're going to be reinstated and your full rank and everything else put back? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm once again, I'm grateful for the president stepping in and uh, doing the right thing. Um, you know, he's, he's stepped in twice before. And I think, you know, he, he takes a look at my case and can resonate with it. Um, the way that uh, I was treated from the get go, um, it's guilty until proven innocent. And, you know, there was nothing I could do to, uh, you know, talk to anybody or try and prove my innocence. And, you know, they threw me in prison. Um, for no reason at all. How long were you in jail for? Uh, I was nine months. Nine months locked up. Um, we talk about going on deployments, and it's it's that justifiable reason to leave your family behind. But this is an individual that was pulled from his house. Uh, you know, children were taken out at gunpoint, and I had the pleasure to hang out with Andrea. We just finished hanging out with uh, Bernie Carrick and and seeing your children. I mean, you're a great father. You're an incredible soldier, and to watch this man get ramrodded uh, and falsely accused, and it became just so political. You have Hillary Clinton out there saying this, that this man is grotesque and she has no idea who you are. And I, I think that's where this just continued to steamroll out of control. Yes. And luckily, we have a commander in chief that uh, doesn't you know pull any punches and he can call a spade a spade. And he saw the injustices that were occurring. And uh, I think it's incredible that he was willing to, you know, despite any of the backlash that he gets, stand up for what was right. And I think that's one of the things that I'm really proud of our organization to be able to work with you and help raise funds for your defense council and to to try to tell everyone the real story because Eddie Gallagher is a hero. Eddie Gallagher was almost put in prison for the rest of his life for absolutely no reason. And on Veterans Day, we should remember that, that you're not a disposable seal. You know, the, the, these are individuals that have sacrificed so much. And, I, and Eddie, I, I love you to death, man, but I, I woke you up last night in the middle of the night and you're about ready to fight me. And that's that fighter <laughs> 
flight mentality because you're still in it. You talk yeah. about going overseas and then coming back and being put in prison. And this individual has such an incredible outlook in life. And on this Veterans Day, I couldn't be prouder to say that I've served with you overseas. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you're not. In There's prison. so many other guys that are, you know, we have to identify all of them, make sure every case gets heard. Um, are there t- times, occasions that maybe people, you know, lose it, lose their power, it lose, lose control, make mistakes? Yeah. Um, but under the fog of war, it's it's to me, there, there are always special circumstances that have got to be factored in. And, you know, when you put handcuffs on brave men and women, you tell them to go fight. And if they do fight and they only have a split second to make a decision and maybe it's not the right decision, um, there's got to be some application of understanding of of the environment that they're working in and i think i think we've gotten to a point where we really forget that um yeah go ahead yeah you're you're absolutely correct sean and i think you know during this whole the you know trial that i went through and just the uh imprisonment beforehand uh me and my wife you know would sit there on the phone and like how can this happen and uh you know, we've come to the conclusion that this happened for a reason and there's a light that needs to be shown on, you know, the UCMJ and the injustices that happen to warfighters and how they treat them when they come back. Um, and we're hoping to, uh, you know, keep shining a light on that and maybe do some justice reform. Yeah, you, you're talking about warfighters being tried by uh, people who have almost zero combat experience. None. You know, they, these are individuals that I, I flew Apaches and everyone loved to double, triple guess my decisions to pull a trigger. You know, everything is videotaped and it's, hey, are you sure that you were, you felt threatened? Yeah, a dude shooting at me. Look at the machine gun. Uh, but that, that's what my friends have to go through. That's what we have to go through on a regular basis. And yeah, there is a extreme responsibility with taking uh, another human's life. But if you're asking us to go overseas and do bad things to bad people, the least you can do is stick up for us when we get back. Exactly. All right. Let's go through the nine line apparel. Linda, why don't you explain how we put this up on the website? You were very, very instrumental in putting this all together. Well, you know, I got my buddy Tyler here, you know, and I got this other troublemaker, Eddie Gallagher. So, you know. I, 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 who's been saying, who's been dropping more F-bombs? You guys or Linda? I'm just guessing. Oh, it's Linda. me for sure. Definitely Every day. Right. Actually, I w- we, we are blessed today with Tyler's little girls are here. So we're keeping it, we're keeping it very clean. It's a yes. clean show today. This is the PG version. Exactly. I got my two little girls, so <laughs> zero F. Actually, she caught me in the background and I, I owe her <laughs> money for the swear jar. Uh, how, sure. uh, whoa, how much does it cost? Oh, I think it's up to like twenty dollars a square. He's now. putting his kid yeah. through college yeah. on, his, on his. Oh, family. by the way, I think Linda, we ought to do this for Liam. I mean, oh. he'll be a millionaire in no time. I My mean, poor son, forget about it. He's four years old. I think up to now, he'd probably be a millionaire for sure. But no, listen, we're super excited. Nine Line Apparel and the Hannity Show are together at last. We're doing an awesome kickoff today for Veterans Day. Ten percent off anything you buy on the Hannity Show. We've decided that we are both going to donate part of our proceeds to a charity. You know, maybe we'll think of what we know. Canine Companions or Operation 300 or There's the so Justice for Warriors there. Fund. Yeah. There's so many. And we've just got awesome clothes out there. Nine Line makes the best t-shirts, the best hats. I wear tons of them. We have tons of shirts up there. We want you guys to go today and honor Veterans Day. And every day we should be honoring veterans. Let's keep that real because our freedoms don't exist without them. That's the bottom line. And so go there today. Go to Hannity.com. Go to Nine Line Apparel. You know, check it out. We've got awesome shirts like Quid Pro Quo Joe, which we just <laughs> launched on Friday. And we've got, um, you know, girls shirts, guys shirts. And uh, it's going to be really great. And stay tuned for Black Friday because we're going to have awesome sales on Black Friday, too. That's right. Well, it's awesome. Awesome work you're doing. Guys, always great to see you. Eddie, how does freedom feel these days? I bet you're feeling a lot better than you did just a couple of months ago. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, actually pretty crazy. I was on the uh, veteran show last, the uh, taping last week, and uh, I think Pete Headseth asked me the question of, you know, the difference between last Veterans Day and this Veterans Day, and I told him I was like, well, last Veterans Day, I was actually watching this in prison. So scary. I'm completely well, grateful. Thank God for you everything know what? that's happened. Another promise the president kept. Taking better care of our military, fixing the VA hospitals, uh, getting rid of the rules of engagement, uh, ending endless wars. And when you got rid of the rules of engagement, oh, we beat the caliphate in no time in Syria and Baghdadi and six others are dead. Yes. Unbelievable. All right, guys, thank you. Nine Line uh, Apparel, uh, partner now with Hannity.com. Just go there anytime. They got a lot of great products. And a lot of good stuff for Thanksgiving and Christmas for the family and people you love. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News. All right, we have investigative reports. The nine specific witnesses Republicans want for this, well, Ukraine impeachment coup attempt uh, and why the cowardly, compromised and congenital liar Schiff won't let any of them do it. Devin Nunes, Andy Biggs, Jason Chaffetz, Nikki Haley on tonight, Ed Henry with a report and much more. That's 9 Eastern Hannity, Fox News, set your DVR. We'll see you then. Back here tomorrow.